All right, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, everyone out there in Steelers Nation, and welcome to episode number 17 of the Still City Insider Podcast. With me, I'm one of your hosts, Jeremy Ritz, alongside Jim Wexel. Jim, happy new year, happy 2022, and happy Ben's final game at Heinz Field with a victory over the Browns. Thank you to all of that, and same to you. <laughs> we have a packed show today. We're going to cover that big historical game for the Pittsburgh Steelers. It was a unique environment at Heinz Field, um, filled with emotion. Uh, it was a win. It kept them in playoff contention, however flickering and dim that candlelight may be. Uh, but the more important story is that Roethlisberger goes out with a win at home. We're going to get into to that. We're going to get into Najee Harris's big game, TJ Watt's big game, really the overall pressure. Hold on one second, Jim. I'm getting a call here. I think the Steelers got another sack, so I think they got 10. So part, pardon that interruption there. We're going to get into all of that today. Uh, but before we do, just want to take a second to thank all the viewers and listeners out there. Uh, thank you for sharing this podcast with everyone. We have a lot of fun doing it. Uh, and we're excited about the show that we're going to bring to you today. But Jim, before we ju jump into that, how was your New Year's? Uh, I got my rest. Let's put it that way. That was my New Year's. I got my sleep. Like uh, this Monday night game, you know, screwed me up. But last night I went to bed at 8 o'clock, so I was ready for your show. That's why I'm so chipper today. All right. Uh, New Year's. How was your New Year's? New Year's was good. Um, you know, with... with three little ones there's uh there's no staying up till the ball drops i think i was in bed at 9 9 p.m new year's night so <laughs> i'd like well, to say though so you stayed up a little later than i did then yeah <laughs> all right but um big game to get into here today we're going to start with roethlisberger obviously it's his last game at heinz field um went out with the win wasn't the best performance statistically but that didn't matter because just the the energy of the stadium was something that was incredible um if you've followed the Steelers if you're a fan I don't know how you couldn't be moved to emotion and Jim not just the performance of Ben evaluating how he played in the game but just the overall feeling and scene um how did you interpret or how did you feel about Monday night's game? Uh, you know, it might be best to read my column, just my opinion. Uh, I uh, pretty much poured it out there and I don't have much left. I, I don't give a shit anymore. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, they got to move on. Uh, that's the question I have. Uh, I, if What do you want to know about Ben? I mean, after the game, he was cool. Uh, family sh stuff was cool. Um, you know, the, the fans gave him a farewell and, uh, it's a mediocre team and, uh, we're all excited that we had something to cheer about. Everybody had something to cheer about. And I don't mean to damper, uh, all of that, but it's been beat to death. I mean, it's one player and, um, big tribute to me. I could talk about Ben on a Ben show later, but, uh, there were a lot of of things that I liked uh, that uh, you wonder, has this Steeler team moved from bad to a little above average, maybe with some of the moves that have, have taken place? Um, 
you know, how are they going to get back up? I, I, I was, you know, we were with Roethlisberger after the game and he had tears in his eyes and they would come and go. And all of us felt the same way. And, and you're like, man, how's he going to get back up? Because I felt the same way. When was it? Um, when Cam, when they, oh, they had a Thursday night game. And those guys were shaking their head. I don't know how we're going to get up for this. And they didn't. They got killed in Minnesota. Mm -hmm. So I'm a little worried about this one because there was a lot of emotion spent on a Monday night. Mm -hmm. But this is Roethlisberger's actual last game. I think he'll get up for it. Maybe want to start. Maybe they'll score in the first quarter this time. Hey, maybe. I'm sorry. I'm a Roethlisberger out, to tell you the truth. And I could I could see that it has been it has been uh, beat beat to death up to this point. It's uh, it's Wednesday, but you're right. It has received a ton of coverage. And just looking at his actual play in the game, really, I mean, he threw the ball quite a lot over 40 times. Uh, the the passing yardage wasn't there. The, the statistics weren't there, um, but it was enough to get the job done. Um, why do you think that they were limited so much in the passing game? not being able to push the ball down the field. Now, I know they were able to have success in the running game, um, but I thought they'd maybe have a little bit more success attacking down the field. Well, so did the Browns, and that's why they stayed in their cover too. They were Their two safeties were out. And then I think another one got hurt in the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they were, they were wary, even though there really aren't any Steeler deep threats. As much as Deontay Johnson and Chase Claypool want to believe they are, they really aren't. Deontay Johnson could get open, but he can, can drop the ball too, and he's easily tackled and he fumbles. Uh, Chase Claypool can't stay on his feet, and um, he's not as great as he thinks he is. So there are issues downfield with them. But the Browns, to Najee Harris's uh, everlasting thanks, they kept their two safeties back, and that in the RPO world means handoff. And it looks like they got a little run game coordination going on with Chris Morgan as the O-line coach. So that all is exciting. Now yeah. they can take advantage of the cover two safeties instead of, you know, the, the so many teams press at the line for the short stuff and put one guy deep because they're not afraid of any of these Steelers receivers. And it just clogs everything up for Najee. So this was a sign of respect. Uh, they, they thought Roethlisberger was going to want to go out uh, with big time stats, throw the ball deep. I think that early touchdown pass kind of sated him. You know, I, I got my touchdown pass in my last game. Let's do what I used to do best: run, manage, uh, manage the game, hand off, and that, that worked. Yeah. And speaking of the running game, wow, what a difference uh, a change in offensive line coaches makes and not to say that we can attribute the improvement completely to uh the shift to Chris Morgan from Adrian Clem but wow I mean you are not going to deny it yeah you, but we're not you actually deny saw it. push we saw a push we saw the defensive line getting moved backwards is this something that's going to be sustainable against Baltimore or do you think this was a, a fluky well, thing we'll wait and see but uh, you can't deny that Chris Morgan uh had to have had an effect Let's just run with that. And let's just, as Tomlin is, Tomlin was excited at his press conference yesterday. And now he, you know, let's see how we do against the Ravens. I would like to know what Tomlin knows about game planning and what Morgan had to do, because we've talked about the run game coordination. 
and how much they've missed Munchak and a guy like Dick Hoke, you know, a running backs coach who would look at an offensive coordinator and say, we can't block that up. Mm-hmm. So you would hope that Chris Morgan had some of that savvy. He, he was the line coach of Atlanta when they blew that Super Bowl to Tom Brady. He was the O-line coach. I don't know how much he had to do with blowing that <laughs> he probably wanted to run the ball a few more times like the whole world did. Who's rooting against Tom Brady. Um, but, and you can't deny the change in center either. Yeah. And that's, that's another, I'm... we don't know. And Hey, Hey, wait, I don't want to deny what Najee did because Najee looked better running. You know, I, I complained about him last week that he's not as, as explosive in the open field as a first round pick should be. Well, this time he was. And, you know, he apparently watches Steel City podcast. <laughs> so he proved us wrong. And, man, that stiff arm in the open field. Uh, yeah, he slammed that. It was a safety, I believe, 36. Yeah. Stewart. Stewart. He's pretty good safety, pretty good backup safety. Slammed him with that uh, straight arm. That was beautiful. So Najee ran well. The center uh, was a definite factor, the new center. J.C. Hassenauer played center for Alabama. And he's too small. He he he's maxed out when he got to uh, Pittsburgh. He was pretty much maxed out as far as potential. Mm-hmm. And they wanted to find someone else, but they saw that he was polished and he could help them in a reserve capacity. They thought he could play a little guard. He, like Kendrick Green, is probably too small to play guard. But, I mean, Hassenauer has put on weight over last year, and so that's – Craig Wolfley thought that he would be the center because of that added weight and that Kendrick Green would eventually overtake him when he learned the position. But they did it the opposite way. They gave Kendrick Green all the reps, all the experience, thinking he had the higher ceiling. And you know what was really weird? Back when Marquise Pouncey was a rookie, I remember that training camp. It was all, well, it's all about if Pounce can understand the, uh, the making the calls, understand defenses. There's a lot that's involved with playing center. And Pouncey's like, hey, I'm a first-round pick out of a big-time college, and I played center all my life, and I'm working on it. It's hard, but I hope to get it. by." And he did start opening game. Mm-hmm. And everybody's like, wow, look at the mental capacity of Marquise Pouncey, let alone his physical capacity. Well, there was none of that with Kendrick Green. They were not going to worry about what he knew and didn't know. He was going to play yeah, and learn this on the fly. There was no concerns about his mental capacity for a guy who played guard at Illinois. This is not the center of the national champion of the Florida Gators. So I don't know where all that concern about the mental capacity went, but it showed all season. Kendrick Green really struggled all season. I think this will make him a better player. You know, I, I do mentally. Now, next year, let's see how he shows up and how he plays physically. But right now, Hassenauer, you got to be your guy. He gets the position. He understands it. And I think it was pretty obvious on, on the field. Yeah, I mean, he definitely – I mean, that was, you know, another reason why there was a big jump in, in performance from this offensive line. And Kendrick Green, there was a point um, toward the end of the game where Roethlisberger was congratulating players on the sideline, and Kendrick Green was kind of standing off there on his own. He went over there and – put his arm around him and I think gave him some words of encouragement, but you know, he's a guy who's going to benefit from, from this off season, getting stronger, settling into the game. And there probably was too much pressure put on to him, especially giving him, Hey, you're number 53 too. Oh, gee, <laughs> you know, it's a, it's a really good thing that Pouncey is a cool dude. 
can you imagine? I don't know if anybody else would have come out and said anything, but I mean, that's just this lack of this. That's a lack of respect. Mm-hmm. Now, Kendrick Green explained, I wore this number in high school. I wore this number in college. I don't know if he checked in with Pouncey to see if it was cool, but it's just like, come on, man. Yeah. It's too soon. Pouncey, you know, he's not going to, I don't think he's going to be in the Hall of Fame, but he is an all time Steelers great. Yeah. Yeah. And how so, much they missed him this year. Oh, yeah. I, how much I missed him. <laughs> he, was a, he was a cool dude in the locker room, man. He was a go to guy. Yeah. Well, maybe they've found maybe not their starting center in Haas now. It's again, it's only one game, uh, but maybe there's a depth piece there for next year. And, you know, hopefully this offseason, Green can improve. Yeah. I mean, they've had the depth piece. Uh, yeah. Uh, he's going to be the starter. I, I assume he's going to be the starter for the Ravens game. So yeah. that's all that matters right now. Right. Yeah. Right. One game at a time mentality. Uh, staying on that offensive line. Um, junior over there on the left side, Dan Moore, handled Miles Garrett pretty well. And he, you know, Dan had a shaky start to the season, but has kind of solidified and become uh, a stable part of the offensive line uh, protecting Ben's blind side. Do you think that the Steelers may have found the left tackle for some time here in Dan Moore? Well, he's the guy we've liked all along, really. And now the fact that he proved that stopping Miles Garrett in the first game was not a fluke. I mean, he had his near misses in that game. There, there were there was a near miss, at least one near miss in his past game that Roethlisberger, being the savvy veteran he is, got rid of it in time. Otherwise, that was a sack. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but that, you know, there were more than one near miss in that first meeting. Now he's proving he can handle the best pass rusher in the division. Mm-hmm. I mean, besides TJ, you don't have to worry about TJ. But Miles Garrett's pretty dang good. So that that was huge. And I don't know about his knee injury right now. That could be problematic. But and and LeGlue at left guard. Yeah. You know, I, I kept trying to say that he was a, a piece, a versatile reserve, the number six guy. You found at least a number six. He he could be your starting right guard next year. Dotson comes back. I don't I don't know which one Dotson or LeGlue plays right guard better. Mm-hmm. Move one of those left guards over to the right side to replace Trey Turner. I assume Trey Turner is on his way out, but I mean he's serviceable. He's okay. But uh, so you're finding pieces, definitely finding pieces. LeGlue definitely is a player, and Dan Moore we know is a player, and Hassenauer is a player for right now. See what happens next year, and and we'll see when he has to go against a bigger. We're going to find out against the Ravens. You know, Brandon Williams, those guys in the middle are bigger than the Cleveland guys in the middle. And that's Hassenauer's, I don't want to say weakness, but he is a small center. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hopefully they can keep that going and get get some uh, more production from the running game. If they could do that against Baltimore, that's going to be big. Take some of the pressure off Ben. Shifting over to the defensive side of the football, I joked earlier about the, um, the pressure there uh, from the defense. Uh, T.J. Watt, once again, a man possessed, um, was closing in on the, the sack record, but just really everybody. Derek Tuska, again, comes in, gets a, wow, gets a sack. Man. Cameron Hayward, uh, Alex Highsmith, you know, is starting to emerge a bit. Uh, really just a total team effort. Uh, that defense played well. 
Um, and now the Steelers lead the league once again in sacks. Um, what do you attribute all that pressure to? A pitiful Cleveland Browns. Let's start with that. <laughs> For one thing, Baker Mayfield is so sackable. He's 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 small. He's easy to throw down. And two, their right tackle has been out. Conklin, he's pretty good. So they went with a guy named Hans, and he just wasn't getting it done with TJ. So they put in a rookie to replace him, and that's when Tuska went off. So the rookie couldn't block anybody, Hudson. So that was a big problem. Uh, it had to do with the Browns. But you have to, especially Highsmith, because he was working against a pretty good left tackle. Mm-hmm. On the other side, Highsmith uh, didn't didn't get to go against those those awful right tackles, and Highsmith is really looking like a a run game bully. I mean, he's he's getting some pass rush, and you know he beat TJ a couple times when TJ was going to get the sack. <laughs> you know, TJ could have had like seven sacks if he did, he gave one to Tuska. You know, he let Tuska go in when Hudson was just Hudson was just falling all over his feet. And TJ had to know it was feeding time, but he still let Tuska go in. So TJ could have had like seven sacks. <laughs> it felt like he did. Yeah, but Highsmith, very, very impressive. I, I really like Highsmith's strength at the point of attack. Yeah. Makes you a little bit excited about next year and what this defense, at least from the outside linebacker position, should be able to do again. Uh, this only being Highsmith's second year. You know, another year, again, with a lot of these young guys, another year of development, another year in the weight room, another year to learn. Um, you would think that the the pass rush would be even more formidable. And then you have these depth pieces and Tusca and the taco. Um, well, and, then, and you're getting you're, you're, you assume you'll get to it back and yep. you would assume you get a Lulu back. But you've also found Martavius Adams. Yes. It looks like a nose tackle with some pass rush to him. Yeah. He's just not a big fat guy. I mean, he looks like he's strong at the point too. Yeah. Uh, a little raw, but um, man, better than what they started the year with Isaiah bugs jumping out of his gaps for unknown reasons and things like that. Um, what else did I like? Oh, louder milk. There's some, a lot of things I like about louder milk. I mean, he's still raw too, but he, he plays with those extended arms. He's, he stands people up. Uh, so when, you know, Hopefully, too, it comes back. Then you've got some real depth with louder milk. You don't have to draft 12 guys that we, we thought a month ago. They, they would have to draft 12 linemen on each side of the ball. So there's some pieces coming together. And even the, the, the linebackers, you I think they realize that you need a boss in the middle. You need someone coming downhill like Spillane just to blow stuff up, mm-hmm. even if he's going to get beat in coverage in the very next play for 25 yards. <laughs> I mean, there's nothing more deflating than a soft run defense. And Spillane is not soft. No. So maybe that sent a message in some way. Even hey, even at the press conference yesterday, Tomlin said Queen, the uh, middle linebacker from the Ravens, the best middle linebacker in the division. And for him to say that after trading up for Bush, I, I mean, we all know that Bush is having a bad year, but Tomlin just put it into words. Yeah. This this lower round pick with L, from LSU with the Ravens is the best when this this guy they traded up for is not. It's an interesting matchup this coming weekend. Um, the, the tight end focus in this Ravens offense, if they're going to try to get 
Bush back out there on the field a bit more. He should be available. I know he's off the COVID list now, uh, but I'd hate to see them give up what they're getting from their run defense with Spillane in the lineup. So I wonder what type of mishmash they'll have there um, in terms of defensive personnel. Um, one player I saw you comment on, I believe on Twitter during the game, was Akello Witherspoon, who again came through with another big play. They've got to resign this guy. <laughs> What's his market value now? Is he is he is he uh, out of their league now? I mean, because you wouldn't think of Hayden's coming back, and I love Hayden. I love Hayden. He is the second oldest player in the team, and he was breaking down this year. <laughs> <laughs> and he's playing a position where you can't break down physically. Excuse me. So, yeah, Killer Witherspoon could be a guy, definitely. And uh, I was interesting to hear Tomlin say that he was asked, why is it taking you so long to play Witherspoon? You know, he played at first, he played uh, names, uh, and I forget the dude's name. Oh, what was the dude from uh, Central Florida? Uh, Pierre. James Pierre. How quickly we forget. Yes. Remember he was next year's starter? Yes. <laughs> so I don't know where he's gone, but uh, uh, there's Pierre. I still like his attitude. And uh, Justin Lane is, you know, those guys are special teamers. And Tomlin explained that Witherspoon didn't get a hat because he's not a special teamer. And that open when you can play special teams, that opens up your availability to play defense if someone gets hurt in game. It's the old James Harrison story. You know, that's how he broke in. He mm -hmm. could play special teams, but the second stringer behind Joey Porter, Alonzo Jackson, couldn't play special teams, so he was down that day. So when Joey Porter got in that fist fight in pregame and got ejected, they had to play the guy who was active for special teams, a kid named Harrison. You know, yeah. he went on one of his wrecking ball games, and we never heard from Alonzo Jackson again. But uh, Witherspoon was available because Hayden went down for a month, so they had to activate him, even though he can't play special teams. And now we're seeing it all come together. Witherspoon's their leading interceptor, three. Yeah, and limited limited time, too. And I think that's the thing. I mean, if you look at the track record of this team drafting cornerbacks, and I know they're a team who likes to build through the, the draft, they can't seem to get it done at the cornerback position. For as much success as they have, drafting wide receivers, it's the opposite end for, for corners. So I think they're best served. If you have somebody in-house, uh, it's going to cost a little bit of money, but it shouldn't be an exorbitant contract. But you spend, if you have a guy who's familiar with the system, um, and especially if you're going, you're not going to be resigning Hayden, I think it's a smart thing to do. But we'll, well have to see how that plays out. Let me add this about Witherspoon. You know, I interviewed him, and I, I was turned off. He, he was passing. <laughs> And he was talking about what he's going to do after football, getting into some medical field. And uh, they all, all the other reporters loved that. It, it was a human interest story, but I thought this guy's not a football player. And then that reputation uh, came out. I heard from other places that he is kind of passive. And um, for whatever reason, he got a fire lit under him. Was, that one game he had two picks. Minnesota. And, and he still he hasn't run to the end zone for the team photo since he did that with the first pick <laughs> kind of embarrassing when they were down 29, nothing. Uh, so uh, there was a fire lit under him and perhaps it was Tomlin and perhaps this guy really likes Tomlin because he's bounced around a little bit. Mm -hmm. he's, uh, he, there were high expectations for him. You can see why 
Yeah. The tall, rangy cornerback. So uh, maybe maybe he really likes Tomlin and will sign and stay here. You know, not, nobody likes to move, right? I mean, I know these young players, they want to follow the money, but for a little less money and you don't have to move and you like your coach and you get your system, sometimes it makes sense to some people. <laughs> so maybe it'll make sense to him. Well, and also, too, uh, just seeing <laughs> – seeing that environment and what the, the fans of Steelers nation could do. I mean, that was, you know, I wasn't there physically, but you know, I've been there before some pretty big games, AFC championship game against the Ravens in 2008. That place is a special place when it's rocking. So I'm sure those players were, that was an experience for them too, especially some of those younger guys. That's an excellent point because now everybody can say, wow, this is what it can be like if we win a little bit. Yeah. You know, you got lucky and got a taste of it at eight, seven, and one because it was an aberration saying goodbye to Ben. But that atmosphere can return. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so uh, there's something to work for, kids. Man, that was that was special for sure. And then I, I didn't get to hit on this uh, last week, but I did want to bring um, bring up the punter, Corliss Waitman. Who has been? Who has been their best punter? Yeah, wow, steady. steady. You know, he should have got that ball blocked in the end zone, and it made me wonder. Maybe that's a flaw. Maybe that's what's kept him out. Maybe he takes an extra step or whatever. It takes him too long to get rid of it. He should have had that ball blocked in the end zone. He got it out. He was athletic. Uh, he's left-footed, which coaches like. It gives a reverse spin, and punt returners don't always see that. So they like a left-footed punter. You might get a fumble at some point because of it. Man, I, you know, you hate to lose your job over the death of your father, like Presley Harvin, but, you know, things are things. Corliss, I liked him at camp last year, and I kept Barry – so uh, I, I liked – I think he's your punter. I think you found a punter too. Yeah. I mean, he just – he's steady. He's consistent every punt he's had. I know it's only two games, but um, I'd imagine he'll get the go against Baltimore again. And worst-case scenario, he comes into camp with uh, Harvin. There's a competition. Um, yeah. It's a good problem to have. Yeah. Good problem to have. So – well, that's, I think that's the first time we really went in depth on punting uh, on and the you show. Know, Jeremy, I, I I feel so bad because you wanted to go in depth on Ben, and I kind of shut that down. And now we're going in depth on the punter. But <laughs> I I know more punter than Ben is not what you expected today. Hey, this is the this is the insider though. That's where we go. We take you we take you inside where other places don't. <laughs> let me just let me just say, really, if you do want my heartfelt feelings on Ben, and there there are a lot of them. Read my column, just my opinion. I made it free this week. Uh, you know, we have a subscription site. So, really, you can go there. And I, I liked how the column turned out. And it seems like the readers like it, too. So, I'm emotionally tapped on that topic. So, I apologize. I did I did read your column. Um, and the the story was quite entertaining Thanks. about your interaction there with, with Roethlisberger in an establishment. So. If we were to, if we were to talk more about it, it would become more entertaining. <laughs> the guy, one of the guys who was there, I'll give you this. 
uh, and if any, this is probably for only people who read the column and know what we're talking about, but Ben and I had an exchange in a bar that wasn't pleasant. And uh, it, it turned out fine. The next day he apologized. But uh, I was there with Brett Kiesel and we were watching the baseball game, the Pirates. And Ben was with Kiesel's buddies at the bar gambling, uh, some kind of coin game. I don't know. And uh, I left them because I like Kiesel's buddies from Wyoming. And I left them and I'm sitting down watching the Pirates with Kiesel. This was during training camp at Latrobe. It was August. And it was when the Pirates were really good, but they needed a cleanup hitter. And I said to Kiesel, man, this team needs a cleanup hitter in the worst way. And that's when Ben turned to me and said, you're the most negative sports writer in Pittsburgh. (laughs) And so then a week later, the Steelers trade for a cleanup hitter. And then they went to them in that big playoff game. I forget the guy's name. I think he was a right fielder. But they traded for a, a first baseman, too. I think Maurer. But they, uh, they, they, they did trade for a fourth and a fifth guy, so I was right. But I asked the Wyoming guys the next day, I said, what, how did, why did Ben get so angry like that so quickly? He goes, he just lost 100 bucks to us in a couple coin flips. And I said to him, we're beating you like Flacco. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, he said, that's when Ben turned to me. <laughs> oh. The dude doesn't like to lose at anything. You know, hundred bucks to him is nothing, but he just doesn't like to lose. Mm. Then you call him Flacco on top of it. So then there's a sports writer nearby that he can take it out on. (laughs) Oh my God. So that was pretty cool. And and one of the dudes from Wyoming, he texted me yesterday. He said, Hey, that was, that was a really good column. I said, uh, beat you like Flacco almost made its way into it. And he laughed. He, he got it. He knew what I was talking about. Wow. So uh, viewers, now you're going to go and check out the column. You got to check it out. You got to read it now. Uh, it's a great piece. And you see, that's what you get here on the podcast. You get those in, insider moments that you're not going to get anywhere else. But uh, great story. But like you said, Jim, it's time to move on because they're heading into Baltimore, uh, a team that's eight and eight. We don't know if Lamar Jackson's going to be out there, but you know, as we've been asking at the end of the show all year, where do the Steelers go from here? Um, do they get into the postseason? Is 9-7-1 and one a successful year for this team? Um, I know that they need the Jaguars to, to beat the Colts in Jacksonville, which if you look at the past um, six games in Jacksonville, the Colts have lost. They've been 0-6. So never say never. Um, they need that Oakland and uh, Los Angeles game not to end in a tie. So stranger things have happened. Where does the team go from here? So the Colts are 0-6 in Jacksonville? The last six games. Okay. <clears throat> Often that has to do with playing in the heat down there. Uh, I know that's Pittsburgh's problem. And, you know, Indy's an air-conditioned team too. So, uh, you know, I got a feeling that the Steelers going to play hard. Uh, it's going to be difficult because two things. Uh, Baltimore has revenge. And, uh, boy, the Steelers are just awful on the road. There's something to it. Might have to do with their center. And now they've got a polished signal caller in there in the pivot. That may help them on the road. You know, Kendrick Green can't hear. It's hard enough for him that he can't understand really perfectly what's going on, all the noise. I think Kendrick Green may have been a part of the problem on the road, but you can't deny that they really suck on the road really bad really bad so 
there's that. And then Baltimore has revenge. Whether Baltimore won't care. I mean, they don't need this game. They're out of it. The revenge factor gives them some care potential. Now, the Steelers should care a lot more, right? And I've seen, well, how many times have we seen this where these awful teams like Jacksonville take these teams that you need them to win, they take them to the wire and miss a field goal at the end or something? You know, I can just see that scenario playing out. Or just Jacksonville pulls the shocking upset. We're all very excited. And then the next game ends in a tie. You know, that Charger Raider game. <laughs> It'd be fitting for this season. But I, I think the more important point is that they're finding pieces and they're coming together. I know Tomlin will say next year it's not about uh, extending last year's hot streak, but in a way it is because they're finding pieces. They're finding answers. This was a total rebuild that they never admitted to, especially when the defensive linemen start going down. So they found some some linemen and uh, and they found some pieces and that's exciting and that's that's I'm just going to take that as my positive. I'm not going to worry about them making the playoffs. Yeah, because again, I'm working on a book and I need this season to end anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm hoping they can they can keep it going. Uh, I think in order for them to win in Baltimore, they're going to need another strong performance from the offensive line in the running game. Uh, if it's all on Ben, I don't see that ending well. But, you know, I'm, I'm curious to see if Lamar Jackson's going to go. Why risk him the injury? It might be that Tyler Huntley, their backup, who's in there. But um, I, I nice frankly, to- Jeremy, I don't see a difference in those two quarterbacks. I think Tyler Huntley's pretty good. He's played well. Yeah. yeah he's played I mean, well. He's not, he's not the magic man that Lamar Jackson is. But Lamar really hasn't improved as the passer that I thought he would. Mm-hmm. You know, beginning of the year, I was saying again, what a mistake it was to pass to Lamar Jackson. Then you watch him as the season goes on. And and then Huntley, Huntley, Huntley's doing the job. Huntley's a tough character. Yeah. So I don't know that it matters. Well, what does matter is at one o'clock on Sunday, the Steelers get a W, finish (laughs) nine, seven and one. And then let's go Jags. Let's go Jaguars. Let's get get that W, beat the Colts. Here's what I'll say about the Colts. I typically would not think that Jacksonville would have a chance in this game, but Carson Wentz, living out here uh, the east side of Philly, I'm originally from Pittsburgh, so calm down, Steelers Nation. Uh, I'm misplaced. Um, but I've seen Carson Wentz play a lot, and he he's a choke artist. So I could, I could see. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I could see the Jags pulling this one out. Um, hey, Jags be playing free and loose. Yeah. And, um, hey, I don't know how much of a rivalry they have with the Colts, but uh, there's that. And Trevor Lawrence, man, he's he's going to want to end this awful season on a high note. And I know he's got some talent, the quarterback for – the rookie quarterback for Jacksonville. Yep. So there's that. We'll, we'll see. It won't be too long. So uh, very excited for that game to get here. And Jim, are you ready for the terrible three to close out the show? Okay. All right. Here we go. So back to Ben. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, your favorite topic. No, it's okay. I, I'm sorry. <laughs> All right. Is looking at the, the history of this Pittsburgh Steelers organization, will Ben go down as the best quarterback to ever play in Pittsburgh? I think so. I wrote a column about that before the game that I think he is, you know, Bradshaw 
was magnificent. What an athlete. Wow. But it took him a long time to get it rolled. And Ben, of course, he was born in a crossfire hurricane, right? He won, he won in a hurricane his first start, and then he won his next 13 starts. And, uh, yeah, he'll be remembered as the greatest, Yeah, I believe. I know Bradshaw won four Super Bowls. Hard to take away, but that was quite a team all the way around. And, yep. uh, yeah, uh, Ben will go down as the greatest, yeah. Yep. Definitely a first ballot Hall of Famer. Next up, and we kind of hit on this a, a bit uh, earlier, but was Adrian Clem just that bad? Or was the rushing performance against the Brown just a fluke? Uh, like, I'd have to be in those meeting rooms. I really don't know. It seems like they gave him more respect than I had assumed when they told him. He said, I got a job offer from Oregon, and they said, go now. I I didn't know that Tomlin – this may just be for public consumption, but Tomlin showed a lot of respect to Clem mm-hmm. after, uh, when he talked about it. And now he's very excited about Chris Morgan. They call him CMO. Chris Morgan uh, is an experienced line coach and probably has better understanding of run game coordination. So I like that. Was Clem bad? I, I don't know, man. Oregon offered him twice what the Steelers are paying him. So how bad can he be? Yeah. There's some things I liked about him. I liked his passion. I liked how he wanted them to be more physical. And I, I liked all of that, but it wasn't working. Yeah. 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 Just appreciating the improvement and hoping that that continues here against Baltimore. And then the final question here, Jim, does Jacksonville beat Indy this weekend? Well, we talked about this a little bit. Um, No, like I said, they're going to miss a 29 yard field goal at the end of the game. (laughs) Well, we'll have to look, look forward to 2022 season. And uh, it's been a fun year, and hopefully that continues in Baltimore and that the Steelers find a way to get to 9-7-1. and one. Jim, as always, great talking Steelers football with you. Listeners, viewers, thank you so much for supporting the show. Please continue to share with your family and friends. Hit subscribe uh, here on YouTube. Give us a like. Push it out there. We appreciate it. We're going to blow this thing up. We're not going anywhere. We're going to continue to deliver to you, and we'll be back here next week. Tuesday back on our regular schedule and then we'll have to talk about what our off-season schedule will be um but Jim I hope you have a fantastic week yeah you too Jeremy it's getting better Uh, let's climb out of this winter and head into spring yeah wonderful all right everybody well thank you so much for listening to the Still City Insider podcast have a great day